Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today what we're going to be discussing is rules for fighting fair. Now I know this can sound a little bit funny, but there are rules you definitely should follow when you're getting into conflict with your spouse or your significant other. When you're discussing a difficult topic, it can be so easy for things to go sideways and for you to add on additional hurts and discomfort compared to what you already started with and what you were already trying to resolve in the first place. And so when you're trying to resolve something, make sure that you follow these rules for fighting fair so that you're not adding on more difficulties later that need to be dealt with. So we have a list of 15 fair fighting rules. The first one is, before you begin, ask yourself why you feel upset. So anger is a secondary emotion. When you're angry at someone, there are typically other emotions that you're feeling underneath that. And you really have to get to those emotions. Why are you truly feeling that anger? Are you hurt? Do you feel sad, embarrassed, maybe left out, disrespected, or any multitude of other feelings? So really take the time to identify those feelings and bring those to the surface. Now, this isn't to say that you can't talk with your partner to try to figure out what you are feeling. I think when you come into that conversation, it would be wise to say something along those lines. Hey, I'm feeling upset or unhappy, but I'm not exactly sure why I want to talk this through with you. But you definitely don't want to start this conversation just knowing you're upset and not really knowing why. And then not giving your partner a heads up that you're trying to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, because I think what happens often then is you name a reason why you think you're upset. As you begin to talk about it, you say, well, actually, this is also frustrating. And this and this. And so that target for the other person keeps shifting. And it may be just you processing out loud. But really take the time to think about your own feelings before starting that discussion. So you have a clearer understanding of what you're really working on. The next thing we want to talk about is that when you're upset, physical violence is never an appropriate response or reaction to try to get your point across or to try to shut someone down who's saying something that you disagree with. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of therapists who believe that marriage counseling is contraindicated, meaning that marriage counseling cannot happen if there's any type of active domestic violence or physical violence going on in the relationship. And so they won't even work to help you make the relationship better. Because the idea is that you can't work to make the situation better if there's active danger and lack of safety there. So this is definitely a firm rule for effective and fair fighting. Number three is no degrading language. As we're discussing, we want to make sure that we're discussing the issue and not the person. There should be no put down, swearing, name calling. When you're using degrading language, all it's doing is really making the other person feel bad and leaving marks that are now an additional hurt that you're going to have to deal with later on. And it'll just lead to more character attacks while the original issue is just forgotten. Also, when you use that kind of degrading language, it doesn't calm the situation down, it escalates it. And so if you're trying to talk through a problem, you're really only making the situation more difficult to fully resolve when you use that degrading language. I would even say you don't want to tell your partner, that was stupid that you did that. Even that word that's just saying that was stupid, you're not calling them stupid, but it's going to inflame the situation because in a roundabout way, they did that action and so they can still take it as you're calling them stupid still. 
So I think also going along with this too is you may not be saying those words, but you may be expressing those words on your face, with your eyes, and things like that. And you can convey a lot where you may not be calling them a name out loud, but they know exactly what you're thinking if you're using like eye rolls or frowns or furrowing your brow. And this is another one, and this isn't name calling, but it's a very like sarcastic retort that's also an inflammatory thing is just saying whatever and then ending the conversation there. And so I know it's not necessarily all perfectly falling under the headline of degrading language, but all of these things are unhealthy ways to communicate with your partner. Number four is no yelling. Now, when you're discussing with your partner, definitely it's easy for things to get heated and upset. But when you start yelling, realistically, the conversation should be over. That's an indication that you've gone too far and now you're no longer in control of your emotions. And so you really need to kind of just back off so things can cool off. Because when you're yelling again, you're escalating people's emotional state. When people are really emotional, their memory gets bad. They'll remember how you made them feel but they won't remember the concept you're trying to get across to them. And so it really is not helpful for you to try to use yelling to get your point across. And I think depending on what kind of family you've come from or how they fought in your family growing up, you may not even notice that you're yelling. It may be in your eyes, that's just what we do. We're talking loudly, right? Whereas the other person maybe didn't have yelling at all in their house. And so even a little raise of the voice can cause them to shut down. And so really, this no yelling should be across the board. But I think for some people, they don't even recognize that they are yelling. And it's something that you need to just be a little more aware of. So number five is no emotional blackmail. This is really the idea that it's not fair to use love or sex as a weapon or punishment. So sometimes it would sound like, if you really loved me, you would blank. Or if you want to have sex tonight, then you better blank. And this can even come across as joking. So if your spouse does something and you make a sarcastic remark like, well, you're not going to get any tonight or some other sarcastic remark, that can also be emotional blackmail because you're using that love or sex to manipulate the situation and to manipulate your partner. I think also people may use the D word as a way to manipulate as well. If you don't do this or if you do do this, then I'm going to divorce you. And those are things you definitely don't want to do because, again, what you're doing is you're adding fuel to the fire and then also people may comply with that feeling or sense of manipulation, but they're going to do it begrudgingly and they're not going to be happy about doing it. And then what you're likely to get as a response is somebody who's dragging their feet with complying with what you're asking them to because they felt like you forced their hand at it and nobody really likes to be forced to do anything. Number six is no bringing up the past. Now, I want you to be careful with the title. The title is not an absolute idea. But when we're talking about no bringing up the past is when you're bringing up a topic to discuss with your partner, just go to the most recent one. Don't go back to the 15th, 16th, or 17th one because that's a better example of what you're talking about. Just try to use the most recent event to try to explain and talk to your partner about something that needs to change. I think a lot of times people feel like they need reinforcements or additional examples in order to get their partner to understand but realistically, what it mostly does is it muddies the waters. I like for people when they're going through conflict to try to keep it as simple and clean and easy as possible. And so going to the 15th example as opposed to the most recent example makes it much more difficult because your memory might be better of the 15th one, but then your partner may be like, I don't really remember that. I don't know what you're talking about. But if it was something that happened yesterday or more ideally, if you talk to them more immediately, they just did it right now 
then their memory is going to be much better. They're going to understand better what you're talking about and then be better able to make changes where changes might be necessary. Yeah, and I think if you go too far in history, then the other person feels like you're always going to use this against them. And it feels like there's no hope or no healing or forgiveness that can happen because you're continuing to bring up the past things that they've done. And I think even if you're like, well, I haven't talked to them about that yet, that that's a problem in your timing. You should have brought that up a long time ago, not be bringing it up now where it's weeks, months, or maybe even years later. But if something recent triggers you to think about it, talk about that thing that triggered you to think about the event and then process through that most recent one. Number seven is stay away from overgeneralizations. So this is not using always, never, should, if only once you would. Because what those things do is they shut down communication right away. And so I know that I've used this example in the past, but if I were to tell Tim, you never take out the trash, and I keep talking and I want him to hear everything I'm going to say, he'll stop listening as soon as I say you never take out the trash. Because immediately he'll go into defensive mode and think, when was the last time I took out the trash? And he won't be listening to me. And then he'll pop in and say, no, I took out the trash on Thursday. So that's besides the point. Maybe my reason for bringing this up is really that I need more help around the house. But by me saying, you always do this or you never take out the trash, it immediately will put him into a place where he stops listening to me and defends himself. Number eight is don't make assumptions. Now, this can be kind of a difficult task because assumptions are very much a knee-jerk reaction. You don't stop and kind of think, well, I think that because they said this, that what they really mean is this over here. It just kind of pops into your mind and you're like, oh, this, this is really what they're saying or this is really what they want kind of a thing. And you have to be really careful about that. Even when you've been here with your partner for a very long time and you're like, I know them in and out. I know exactly what they mean. The truth is you don't know them as well as you probably think think that you do. You've created a construct in your mind of who they are, but people are constantly changing and adapting and their belief systems and their thought processes are regularly changing. And so what you want to do is give them a chance to either confirm or deny your assumption. But you do have to be very careful. You don't want to ask leading questions that are seeking to either confirm or deny your assumption. You want to ask something more along the lines of, can you explain that more to me? Or can you go a little more in depth as to what you mean about that? So that then you can give them the free reign to either agree or disagree with what your assumption is, or maybe even go off on a totally different tangent that you hadn't even considered before. Number nine is take turns talking. This can be really tough when you're frustrated and you want to get your point across, but you have to be careful that you don't interrupt them. And if this is really hard for you to do, it might be even helpful to set a timer and allow each person to speak without that interruption. And when they're speaking, you want to make sure that you are truly actively listening to them. A lot of times in arguments, what we can do is we can spend that minute or two or three, whatever we set the timer for, thinking about what we want to say and how we're going to respond to that. But instead, you need to truly be present and listen to them and just know that you're going to get your turn to talk. Number 10 is making sure that you're discussing only one issue at a time. I tell my patients this all the time. Listen, in a couples counseling session, I can't help you solve two problems at one time. If with professional help, you can't solve two problems at one time, what hope do you have of on your own trying to solve two problems at one time? Really look at it and just say, okay, this is a very impractical thing to try. We are only going to bring up, we're only going to talk about, we're only going to work on one problem at a time. 
a lot of times I think couples, when they start talking about problems, they start bringing in additional problems and then they get spun out where they get super upset. Then they stop the conversation. They don't finish what they started talking about. And then they spent all this emotional energy and capital trying to work through it. But because they dropped in a couple of additional problems into that original discussion, they got nowhere and nothing was solved. And then that ends up breeding hopelessness in people later on where every single time we talk about it, we never resolve anything. And this is really closely related to the no bringing up the past. Because once the argument starts to get off topic, it's really easy for it to become about everything the person has ever done wrong. And we've all done a lot wrong. It's also related to the no degrading language, where you want to discuss the issue, not the person. Because one specific issue can quickly turn into character assassination. And so it could be, I don't want you to spend money on big purchases without talking to me. And that can quickly turn into, you don't even care about me. You don't care about what I think or about our family. And now that becomes another problem that you have to resolve. And so this really ties in with the history as well as the degrading language. Number 11 is to express and own your own feelings. And so a really common and good technique is to use I statements instead of you statements. So I feel angry. I feel hurt when this happens. I feel scared when you yell. I feel frustrated when this happens. By sticking with I statements, it kind of keeps a protective barrier where you're taking responsibility for yourself and you're not putting the person into immediate defensive mode because you're saying you did this and you did this and you're not making assumptions on what their motive was. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you may have heard the one that we did on the four horsemen of the apocalypse of relationships. And this next one is one of them, no stonewalling. So when things get tough, what stonewalling is, is somebody just basically receding into themselves and turtling up and just refusing to participate in the conversation. And when you do that, right, you may be trying to protect yourself from additional hurts and wounding. But what's going to happen is that you're also going to make your partner feel hopeless. And what they're likely to do as a result of that is come after you even more to try to get you out of the shell. And then what you're going to do is you're going to try to recede deeper and deeper and further and further away. What this is also called is the distance or pursuer relationship. And if you are at a place where you're like, I can't continue this conversation anymore, you need to say as much. Say, hey, I'm too emotionally activated or I'm too upset. I can't continue on right now with this conversation. Can we take a break? Something along those lines. Or even if that's too much to say, you can come up with a safety gesture with your partner where you just kind of hold your hand up or anything like that. But this is something you've agreed to beforehand where then they just know, okay, at this point, this conversation needs to be done for now. And we're not saying it's done for a day or a week or a month. We're saying it's done for like five to 30 minutes, something in that range. And then you pick it back up. But definitely don't block people out. The conversation may be difficult, but that's never going to solve the problem. It's only going to kick the can down the road to be dealt with another day. Which goes perfectly into number 13, which is to take a pause or to take a time out. Ideally, we'd follow all of these fair fighting rules, we'd have a great conversation, and we'd reach a resolution, right? But that doesn't happen all the time. And so if you recognize that you're starting to become too heated and the conversation's not going anywhere, it's good to ask for a time out and to agree on a time to come back and discuss the problem after everyone's cooled down. Number 14 is be accepting. And what we mean by that is make sure that you have this understanding that your partner is different. The way they speak, the way they process, their understanding level, their knowledge base, all of these things are different about two people. And 
when you're being accepting, you're understanding that they're coming from, at the very least, a slightly different worldview, but then they could be coming from a dramatically different worldview. And so being accepting is just understanding that they may be different, but different doesn't make them wrong. And so allowing them to have that difference and then still trying to come to a place where you are working at understanding. And that also leads perfectly into the last one, which is number 15, attempt to come to a compromise or an understanding. Discussions or arguments aren't always going to end perfectly, but do your best to come to a compromise where there's a give and take from both sides. And if we can't fully resolve it or come to a compromise, it's important that you still validate the other person and show them that you understand where they're coming from, even if you don't agree with it. In the future, we have plans to do a full episode on this and how to negotiate and how to come to a compromise. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, try to fight fair and your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.